Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Brood, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Jason Crawforth, the founder and CEO of Swear.com, and Jean-Pierre Ruth, senior editor from Information Week. I'm JP Ruth. I'm senior editor with Information Week. Uh, we cover enterprise IT strategy and trends. We look at the going concerns that organizations have in terms of you know, how they are applying and making use of technology, but also the potential risk areas and how they might assess you know, what they need to be aware of and how to approach potential issues as we kind of move you know rapidly downhill embracing technology but then there could be you know potential potholes and pratfalls along the way got it okay jason uh jason crawforth i'm the ceo and founder of a company called swear um, swear swear.com we're a technology company that is focusing on uh, fighting against the rise of the deep fakes synthetic media great thank you so uh, JP, tell us about, we've known each other for a long time. Yes. Tell us about your career path here, uh, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, you definitely knew me before I had gray hairs that I promptly shaved off today. Um, <laughs> started in the business newspaper world um, when we got to know each other, uh, you know, started, you know, it was not my original plan to become a journalist, but that became the thing that I embraced, uh, learning first about general business, but then over time evolving to look at the intersections of technology and business and then more deeply looking at the uh the technology sphere uh you know graduated from the business newspaper space looking at technology to them covering the new york tech startup scene uh you know a couple of other outlets that i've worked for over time you know uh and you know, now I'm with information week i've been here uh, almost getting close to five years now uh you know sorry i was a senior writer with them uh focusing on cloud computing and DevOps, and now as a senior editor, uh, you know, doing editing work, but then also looking at tech policy, uh, data privacy, uh, you know, the overall question of what we are working with and how it could potentially be broken or potentially misused, and there might be a need for guardrails to come into play. Great. Excellent. What a, what a great uh, career journey there. All right, Jason, go ahead. Uh, let's see. I've been a tech entrepreneur uh, my entire adult life. I think my last W-2 was actually in 1993. So I've been self-employed since then. Um, I don't say no very often to opportunities. So I've started multiple tech companies. Uh, I was happily semi-retired, or I'll call it semi-happily retired. I don't know. It's I wasn't very happy retired. I'm a bit like a cocker spaniel. I have to have something to work on all the time. Um, and uh, picked up uh, the concept of uh, deep fakes. Well, before they were coined in 2018, um, started pursuing the, the solving the issue of uh, the intersection of digital media and AI. Great. It's been a long time. That's 30 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So this area of misinformation and deep fakes is so critical, important, scary, and 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 so timely. Uh, I guess it's always timely, but especially during times of uh, conflict or elections, right? So um, JP, why don't you tell us, you know, what you're seeing uh, 
uh, out there as far as, um, you know, in the past few years, uh, where have we been and where are we going? Lay the landscape here uh, for um, this sphere or sector of, of misinformation and this defects. Sure. So we've accelerated in more recent months and years, but the idea of misinformation has, I mean, it's been around, you know, you can go back even before the digital era, uh, you know, the, any kind of, uh, you know, potentially, you know, smear campaigns that politicians or what have you might, you know, put out there to, you know, spread rumors and gossip. Uh, so the concept of doing that has been around, it's been part of how people try to influence each other and try to provoke a uh, reaction. Uh, with the advent of the internet, that of course brought the potential to then deliver content directly to people and along the way, tweak it because when we first were introduced to the internet, there was this whole like, wow, it's new, it's neat. You know, the personal barometer to say whether or not we should trust that wasn't quite really baked in uh, when we started adopting, uh, you know, this digital frontier. Uh, over time, there became more obvious things when people say, oh, that's clearly photoshopped or that image has been doctored in some way because they were done rather poorly. Um, but every now and then you might have somebody just say, like, well, I see it, so therefore I would still trust it, even though it would be clearly maybe potentially defying physics. Um, but now of late, with deepfakes, uh, the technology with generative AI, making it putting the capability in, it's really democratized the capacity to create illusions, if you will, digital illusions um, in many people's hands who may or may not be that tech savvy, if they just, you know, find the right resource that can do it quickly for them, they could potentially create something that gives a false impression uh, or miscategorizes something. I mean, there's sometimes where if you just mislabel something, but it's still that particular image, you haven't doctored it, some people might embrace that. Um, just this week, I think it was with Wired, they were talking about how on social media, we're seeing, uh, particular images that people are trying to say are associated with the current conflict, uh, but they are either from dated previous um, actions or actually using images from a video game and then saying that it is something that is happening now. And that is unfortunate that, you know, because the, the, the pace of, you know, wanting to ingest content, which is what we've become now, it's like, how quickly can we see things um, that, you know, the 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 readiness to embrace these things has definitely kind of turned our, you know, perspectives uh, in terms of like being more savvy about saying, whoa, wait a minute. What is this? Yeah, no, 100 percent. It's um, it's really um, it's really scary, actually. There's no other there's no other word to describe it, um, the capabilities and the, the widespread nature. Uh, I read the statistic. Uh, recently, that there's been hundreds of thousands of of video deep, you know, uh, deep fake or, or fake videos uh, out there um, during the last election or something, something like that, or the upcoming election, and it's just like, and that's just going to be accelerated because, as you say, the democratization of these tools, which are free, mostly or very cheap, uh, and and so any bad actors can exponentially. Produce them. So, Jason, and you're the expert in this space, so I'll let you talk more about that. Can you sort of comment first on uh, what JP was talking about as far as the landscape and how you see it 
and then how um, your startup is is trying to help solve the the challenges at hand. Yeah, I think JP summarized it quite well. You know, we use the digital economy to entertain, educate, inform, influence, as well as market branding and messaging. Just to give some context, um, some numbers as to how much we consume every day, 5.4 billion videos are what? Um, uh, and that's 250 million hours of video are watched every day. So that's about 28,000 years. And that's just YouTube alone. That's not all the other social media platforms. And every minute, there's an additional 500 hours of content published onto YouTube alone, which is about 82 years. The average adult consumes about 1.5 hours of audio per day. And there's 1.2 trillion images shared yearly at about 38,000 per second. And this is just public information. I mean, this includes surveillance cameras. There's over a billion around the world, 85 million surveillance cameras alone in America. Um, and, and we use media for a variety of things, like I said, to entertain and educate, but we also use it to substantiate processes, whether it's insurance claims, real estate, transportation, surveillance, military, intelligence, legal. We use digital content to be able to basically run our lives and to validate whether it's an internal process, an external customer facing, et cetera. And the ability to create evocative content um, in a very quick order is, is frightening, is the word um, that I use. Um, you know, it used to take 100 people to create something fake. Think of Star Wars animation. Now it takes one person to create that, and soon that one person is going to be able to create 100. When I first started looking at this, uh, there was a tool that Adobe was um, developing. They never released it, but what it would do is it would take in, in audio, if they took 30 minutes of you speaking in your native language, you will make every sound and they could piece that together to make an audio recording of someone appearing to say anything, admitting to having an affair, accepting a bribe, that their product um, is lethal to some of their clients, you know, a uh, ratio charged comment. That was 30 minutes. How much time do you think they need today? 10? Three. Seconds. And this is a Microsoft tool. Valley. Wait, three did you say three seconds? Three seconds. So they have about 80,000 voices that are mapped out. And so in three seconds of your, hi, you've reached my phone. I'm currently unavailable. They can have you appear to be speaking in a concert hall or in a hallway that you're upset. They're able to map it. Think of it like when you use a Pandora and you say, hey, what's this song? It just needs a few seconds and it can just access millions of songs. Well, they're doing the same thing. They take that three seconds and they can map it to different voices and they can say, okay, now here's an audio recording. And video has has, has increased just as much. Um, it used to be videos, uh, blinking was a problem because they would feed in thousands of photos, but there was no closed eye photos. And so a computer systems aren't going to know that someone's blinking. Now they have micro heartbeats in the face and around the thin parts of the face, the reflection in the glasses, blood flow patterns through the face. It's well past videos are being created that are well past what humans can detect and will soon be pixel perfect, pixel perfection where computers won't be able to detect. Them. And this is this is happening at, at an increasingly rate. I mean, just the, the content, the amount that we consume, how it impacts our lives, 
Um, you know, it could be the night before an election. Um, in uh, uh, Slovenia, no, Slovakia, um, there was just an election that was very close and an audio deep fake was released a couple of days before the election and they determined that actually flipped the election. It's happening today. The The video game that JP referred to was the Ghost of Kiev. It was a jet that was flying over the Ukraine and it took the media, the global media, three days to figure out that that was from a video game. You have you have them of coming out of presidential candidates. Um, you have uh, the president of Ukraine, you know, telling his troops to surrender. This stuff is active, and that's just what's in the public sphere. The private sphere, where you have um, an audio recording of your CFO telling the seat, you know, or your CFO telling the bookkeeper to wire money to this account. This is happening on a daily basis. People interviewing. Um, and, and they're mapping their face to someone else. And you think that you're uh, you're interviewing someone that is uh, a database administrator who you think is somebody and it's not. And that person gets in your company and now they have the keys to your kingdom. This is just starting. Oh, my God. Now, let me just understand this correctly. You said three seconds mm-hmm. to match the audience. Now, uh, you're saying it compares it to 80,000 other voices and matches. So they're going to try to duplicate your voice through the database of 80,000 voices, even though I think my voice is very special. You're saying it's not. It could be a combination of other voices. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it just pulls from that database and pieces it together. Right. And the latest, so the latest um, um, iPhone uh, operating system, I haven't done it yet, but I was, I was reading about it that it asks you a series of questions. You go into a quiet room, it asks you a series of questions to say these sentences, and it learns to map your voice or whoever's voice you put in there. And then you can start creating audio recordings of anything. So they can do it with, um, I don't know if it's a hundred sentences that they have you say, but your phone processes it. Now it's for, it's supposed to be for people that are losing their voice, et cetera, but it can be used. With every advancement in technology, there's always, uh, a dark side to it. And wow. so you can see what people will be able to do with that. That's that's really scary. That is frightening. Now, JP, before we circle back to uh, Jason's company, any comments on what um, Jason has said? I mean, you, you know, all of these things are, you know, I mean, they're frightening to see, but um, it's almost the market has kind of pushed to say, here are these tools that we can use for good or, you know, for, for the betterment of, you know, businesses of mankind what have you but then there's just going to be that that desire to turn it as quickly as we can into something to be you know weaponized in an informational kind of way um which is unfortunate but uh you know one of the things i hope to see is that you know where's a sweet spot if you will of trying to further advancement of technology but then develop further guardrails of what we can uh to give her give her find a way to move forward with with things but then also not put ourselves in at risk right 100 percent. all right so jason t- talk to us about your company and its goals and your vision so back in about 2015 i was watching uh, a couple things happening in parallel i was watching the value of the truth and the value of the perception of truth start to do that the ability to actually manipulate digital media was becoming democratized. I think that's a perfect word for it. And um, 
I knew that what the tech industry was going to do was they were going to focus on the, the most obvious solution, playing defense, using forensic methods to try to identify and discredit um, content as, as authentic or not. And I knew that this was going to be a perpetual game of cat and mouse and whack-a-mole. And this was going to be a technology race that was ultimately going to lose as they reached perfection. And so the concept of Square is, can we actually protect a digital recording in real time during recording? Protect every pixel, every soundbite, any type of metadata attribution data that is collected. And can this be done in a way to be able to create content that is impossible to manipulate without detection? Now, I, I put that without detection on there because anything can be manipulated, but can we actually detect it? <laughs> and so, I looked at what was going on with Web3, which I think is one of the one of the more amazing parts of, of, our, of our technology um, innovation, is that we can create uh, an independent notary of, of, of data. So could I merge digital media? Could we merge digital media with blockchain? And we started uh, pursuing this uh, with a group of developers, and we were able to start to do it. So while a recording is happening, um, frame by frame, every pixel, every soundbite, and we also collect over 100 different dimensions of metadata, the location of the phone, the tilt, the angle, the speed, what Wi-Fi networks are nearest, what cell phone tower are we connected to, what satellites are currently over our head, where's the sun and moon currently over the earth, what's the world clock time? We take all that data and we merge that into a video and then we blockchain it. So if you're three minutes into recording a video, the prior two minutes and 59 and a half seconds are already unchanging. So that if someone, you take that video, you publish it somewhere or you send it to someone, it reevaluates the video and goes frame by frame. And in a matter, we can take a 30 minute video in a matter of a few seconds, we can validate it and say this 30 minute video is authentic, except for this three seconds. If someone changes a single pixel, a subsecond of sound tries to change the GPS location, the tilt of the phone, anything, we will tell you that three seconds is an original. And what this does is it creates a chain of custody or a chain of control from the moment it is recorded until the moment it is watched. And so what Swear does is it shifts the burden of truth from the consumer of the content and the, the consumer, I mean, this is something we can talk about, like how difficult it is for consumers to be able to validate that content, to validate something, is that we shift it to the producer of the content. And so we were able to get this to work on smartphones, um, surveillance cameras. We're looking at body cams, security cams, um, police body, I'm sorry, um, uh, voting machines, anything that produces a digital asset um, uh, to be able to validate the authenticity of it from the beginning. And what Swear does is it doesn't just protect what is recorded, the actual visual and audio. It also protects when, where, how, and even who. In our first app, we allow people to go anonymous. We think that in conflict zones and in, um, you know, there's certain situations where someone's going to want to record something anonymously. But we have the ability to, to validate every single aspect of a piece of media and do it in real time. So knowing that it is authentic and has not been manipulated. Wow. And, and, and so that is for people who create the videos 
And can you apply that at all to any other videos that are not necessarily, you know, after they are, is there any way to verify something after it is produced um, without using your technology while they're doing it? Well, we can. Um, I'll just say that this once, the reason that we do it in real time is because we know it can't be manipulated, but we do see environments and situations that real time is not important. Uh, think of any news media organization. They want to curate their content. They want to slice all their videos together, have their person talking in between those, but they want to go through and then stamp that to say, look, this is authentic. It's not real time, but it's ours. We, we put ownership on this. And so then when they publish this out to the various um, news channels that, that other organizations can validate, oh, that was produced by that organization or this organization. Um, you know, they're, they're, the challenge with fighting deep fakes is, is very simple. Um, well, that's not very simple. It's very complicated. It's like, um, that's probably a little controversial, but I'll say global warming. There isn't a single solution to solve global warming. There is not a single solution to solve. And so, yes, um, historical content cannot be validated because we don't know if it's valid in the first place. So, but we do have the ability if um, there's a group... Um, Oh, um, Starling Labs at uh, Stanford, where they're trying to take historical data from the Holocaust, and they're and they're they want to be able to um, secure that so that it doesn't get changed over time, as we apparently seem to whitewash occasionally. So um, there are there are interactions where we would want to be able to protect. Not got it. Yeah, no, that would be great. Now, what's the, what's the business model of the company? Um, well, there's multiple business models because, you know, I'll tell you as an entrepreneur, you never say you can be everything to everyone. The challenge is, is that um, I'll challenge you to come up with an industry that doesn't need to validate their content. So whether it's um, in insurance uh, organizations, logistics, um, you won't be able to walk into a court a lot. You can't walk into a court a lot today with an image unless both sides agree to it or it's, it's very well documented. Uh, I think we're probably two years out from video not being able to be admissible in court. So um, our business model, um, you know, the beginning is our first stage is just awareness, putting an, uh, an app out there so that people can see the use of this. Um, and then it will start to propagate from there. various industries that um, I, I just consider uh, vulnerable industries. The surveillance industry would be one. Um, intelligence agencies. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine who is an FBI agent. Apparently, they're starting to have to wear body cams for the first time because their work is not good enough anymore. Well, how are they? How is the Department of Justice going to keep that those those recordings authentic? How are we going to know that they haven't been changed? Um, and so, our business model is in a lot of different places. We will cast a wide net and try to help different industries, different organizations, public sector, private sector, individuals. I will say that the most, the people that we will go after the most are the, the most vulnerable are the most visible. The people that have the digital footprint, the politicians, the influencers, media, uh, any any person that is constantly in the public eye, they and their staff should be recording them because our technology can be used as offense and defense. If you start publishing videos of your politician that you're showing them at this location at this time, it's difficult to create something fake. And if someone does create something, say, well, how is that possible? He was here at this time or she was speaking at this location. So you have a, a, a lot of ways to use our technology. So we're going to be casting a wide net, phase one. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And JP, how do you see it from your perspective? Now, this is one startup. Uh, they're going to change the world. But who else is out there uh, doing uh, doing this work and working to, um, you know, make it safer for all of us? I, I mean, glad to hear that, though, the work that, that you're doing. I think it's also a lot of internal work that just every organization needs to be working on. Um it can't be just siloed into, I mean, you know, you, you need expertise for one, that's for sure to, to identify things, but there also has to be some kind of internal embrace, I think, across all organizations to be alert to this. Um, one of the things I think about with deepfakes is that paying attention to content needs to almost have the same kind of mindset that organizations approach to hacking or social engineering um you know the because it, this kind of thing is placed upon the ability to dupe uh the receiver so adopting the same kind of like training that will warn people about you know accepting this phishing you know attempt or or this kind of online you know, you know website that that will purport itself to be legit you know that kind of mindset i think is what really needs to be kind of like embraced you know kind of across the board uh because it's you know it the wool's being pulled over your eyes per se but it's also the wait a minute you know the 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 need to like you know pause and kind of push to say there's a reason why i need to like you know like hold off before just accepting this so i think the that kind of that that defensive training that you know many organizations have been doing for you know cyber techs that kind of mindset maybe that's exact maybe not that exact model but that kind of perspective uh, needs to be kind of brought to the fore and applied towards various digital content yeah no that, that makes a lot of sense and uh, one of the things that you know our our concern is that um whenever someone doesn't believe in something or a video you know, the, the lack of trust is now ever present. So they could say that's fake news or that's a fake video. Mm -hmm. Even if it's real, no other reason to believe that it's not. Yeah. Since yeah. there's a, a lack of trust, um, then people could say anything, right? Or not believe what they don't want to believe or it doesn't fit their narrative or politics, right? Do you yeah. see that, Jason? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's just, that's just human nature that people can... Um, They'll believe what they want to believe. And, you know, when you deny, like when, when someone says, I didn't actually say that, how do we know that video is real? You literally shift the onus of proving that something's real. And if you have a video, how do you prove that it hasn't been modified? So um, we, we, we have, this is going to be a growing challenge. You know, what JP is alluding to um, is basically there's three ways in which you can protect yourself. There is, there's defense. You can do, you know, whether something is, you know, determine if something is real. You have um, offense, which is where Swear focuses on, is trying to protect something. But the third is education. And education spans everyone. You know, how do you validate if something seems to be too good to be true or there's something that just doesn't seem right? You need to be able to, to, to validate that. Um, you know, I, I was listening to a friend this morning. He's a CEO of a company that they just uh, wired $200,000 to the wrong company because someone changed an email address that had an I in it. They changed it to an L and they were able to resend the invoice 
And the person didn't know that and say, well, hey, we had to change the wiring instructions. Well, that needs to be a that needs to be a phone call with someone and not on that email. You call the original phone number of the person that you know. So there's there is a I don't want to have the whole world walking around with a tinfoil hat on, but you have to be skeptical when there's anything that has to do with financial, political, economic, you know, reputational. You have to be careful about that. And you have to understand, as JP says, you have to understand your biases because we want to hear what we want to hear. Yeah. And when it aligns with us, yeah. we have a tendency to believe it and not question it. Yeah, yeah no, throw, absolutely. Um, one thing ahead, throw, like a couple of months ago, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, was speaking about, you know, the famed astrophysicist was talking about, you know, you know his perspective on AI, generative AI. Uh, and he, you know, kind of posited that things will potentially reach a point where everyone will presume that everything is fake and then just, you know, believe that things, you know, everything is dubious and then just learn to not trust. You know, I, I, while I appreciate that he is a far more intelligent and trained individual than I, at the same time, my concern is that there is a tendency for people to say, well, I think this content or this material, whatever it is, is being presented before me. It, I think it's good enough or I trust it enough because I just decided to just go with it. Uh, you know, there's, there's a certain level of, of personal, uh, you know, investment in terms of like wanting to say, wait a minute, I want to push to say that I shouldn't trust this, but the desire for things to be simplified and to like not make waves can kind of overtake things to where people kind of lose that uh, that presence of mind to say, wait a minute, I should stop and not trust this just on face value. You know, what, what Neil deGrasse Tyson said, yeah, that would be great. However, human nature uh, has a tendency to just say, well, I should look further into this, but I'm not because I've got a pot of spaghetti I've got to, you know, go check on or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, an extension of this, these, these deep fakes and audio, uh, you know, um, deceptions as extortion, right? And I, I've, I mentioned this in a talk I gave recently about how um, anyone could, you know, mimic a voice of a child and say, we have your kid hostage. And this has been done. And fortunately, they realized it. Um, but a lot of them aren't realizing it and they're just paying the ransom. Um, and so, you know, nowadays everyone needs a safe word, right? That's not on on online at all, you know, for their family and friends and coworkers, whatever, so that they can, um, you know, uh, highlight whether it's true or not, you know, and I'm sure Jason, you're seeing many more examples of this, but is that something that um, is, is also frightening you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, when I started asking people about if they had heard the term deep fakes, and these are more executives, uh, a year ago, I'd have about 15% of people had heard the term deep fakes. It's I think we're over 50% now, but a lot of the people that are familiar with them say, well, I'm not a target. And I'm saying yet, yeah, um, but you will be, or members of your family will be, or your parents or your children. Um, and this is starting to percolate. I mean, it's, it's, it's growing and it's, it's, it's frightening and disheartening um, because we are going to become skeptical skeptics of everything. And when you don't actually believe anything you hear, then, um, what, what happens to our world when, you know, you don't trust anything? I think, I mean, our, I think uh, democracies will crumble. 
you know, conflicts will start, you know, it's just, we'll, we'll become more, um, anyway, we'll, we'll become more disjointed and, and we'll, we'll form our own little fiefdoms based upon, on only the people that agree with what we have to say, because we don't trust anyone else. I mean, right. Kind of, kind of heading that way right now anyway. Right. Very scary. Now, uh, before we talk about sort of future trends, talk to us about your company, uh, other people in your space, right? There's large companies and small companies. Um, <laughs> who do you see as your uh, as the players in this field of authenticity or verification? Sure. So um, most of the companies deal on the defensive side. Um, all the large tech companies, and you've had uh, Google and Facebook, Meta, had contests trying to identify deep fakes a couple of years ago. Um, Adobe and Microsoft are the, the two that are starting to align um, with uh, an organization called C2PA, the Coalition for Content, Provenance, and Authenticity. Um, they have their own internal. Um, Adobe has, uh, it's called CAI, Content Authenticity Initiative. So they're, those are the two, the biggest companies that are focusing on trying to protect content from the beginning. Um, most of it's on images um, because video, um, where we are currently, um, and audio is a lot more difficult, a lot more dynamic. Um, there is, uh, you know, for every, <clears throat> I saw a ratio in a company or an article, for every, it's 100 to 1. For every one company like me, there's 100 that are actually trying to develop technologies to produce you know, uh, uh, content, um, uh, synthetic content. Um, you know, you have companies, um, there's a lot more playing into it. You, know, you have Microsoft that's on kind of on both sides. They're trying to do content authenticity, but they also have um, uh, Valley and um, you've got uh, Stable Diffusion, OpenAI's Dolly, uh, Novel AI, MidJourney, Researcher, Modulate AI. There's a lot of organizations that are trying to create it. Um, there's, they're just starting. It feels like we're behind on trying to identify it, but the biggest ones so far are Adobe and Microsoft. Okay, good. And and so your your company is um, uh, obviously a startup. But where do you are you still fundraising, or where are you at in your in your life cycle? So we're about six years old now, coming up on six years. Um, we. Um, we're in the process of fundraising. We're nearly about a halfway through our uh, seed round. Um, I've been the one that's actually been seeding the company. Um, we've got 10 patents published and approved. We've got several more pending, um, basically at the intersection of digital media and uh, blockchain distributed ledger. Um, we have some very key processes in there that, are, that I think make us um, quite powerful in what we're doing. Um, our product is gonna be coming out in January. Um, our first, uh, the consumer product for iPhone and Android. Um, we're about ready. Um, we just didn't want to roll it out in December. It's not a good time to roll a product out. Um, and with uh, the launching in January of, of the, the political realm, it's a good place to start getting there. Um, we do have a lot of organizations um, that um, have written about deep fakes. We would like to reach out to them. JP is probably on my list somewhere or someone from his um, to say, look, you've written about it. We have a solution. We would like to, you know, start getting visibility. So we will do that um, in coordination with the release of our product. Great. And uh, JP, so again, big picture. Um, how do you view the 
this is a battle, right? Are we are we a few years away from you know when the good guys or good tech will be able to uh, combat and overcome the the deep fakes and misinformation? Or how how do you see it? Uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but yeah, tell us um, what you think. I think that the the necessity for what is happening means that things will have to change or different uh, efforts need to be made in in the near term. Um, And it looks like it'll have to be in it. The wheels already turning, but it needs to be a combination of uh, state government um, entities, uh, you know, kind of like establish further establishing you know, what kind of guardrails, policies, laws, regulations that they want in place. And then the tech sphere uh, moving to adopt that and then also self-regulating themselves and making decisions to say, hey, this is what we should do. Uh, You see some of that to a certain extent, not just specifically with deepfakes, but, um, you know, when concerns started to turn up with like, oh, my gosh, what can generative AI start doing? There was like, you know, quick conversations some of them are still happening, um, but the folks behind, you know, ChatGPT were saying like, hey, yeah, sure, please, regu- you know, come up with something. Give us a framework to build from. And I think, you know, you've got to get the policymakers to, you know, and some are more, you know, active and more forthcoming. Europe is definitely like, like no, we need answers now. 24 hours, you know who you are um, to speak to, like how you're looking at uh, misinformation. And you know, more of that, that that direct push needs to happen from that policy side and then the tech side saying like, yes, we can, you know, run amok and do all this technology, but let's also rein ourselves in. I think that meeting of the minds needs to happen. I want to say in an ideal world, it would happen in months. Um, the, the, the speed in which we develop things should in an ideal world also come with the clarity to say, hey, let's work on this. Uh, to put some, you know, safeties in place or at least more guidance so that people aren't just kind of like throwing themselves out into the wind. The reality of it, um, there might be entities that just need that like extreme push, whether it's fines or just being called out for what they allow to happen, you know, you know, when they see that their their reputations are besmirched because they haven't taken action, that might, you know, there might need to be some more of that. So we might be in for some rough times. Um you know, I would love to see within the next, you know, based on what is happening in the world within the next year, um, something better to be established that we're all starting to embrace. Of course, the reality of what may or may not happen, we shall have to see. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, what's your uh, prediction? I think it's going to take pressure, it, pressure from both ends. Um when that means from the technology companies that um, they the largest technology companies that actually produce content or edit content that means like Adobe um, starting to um, uh, label things as modified um, but on the other side it's going to come from legislation you know in January of 2023 this year China um, requires all deep fakes to be labeled the EU is considering legislation to find social media companies if they publish deep fakes that have the intent to harm um, so it's uh, probably some from the more progressive thinking countries and states. They're starting to outlaw certain things. Now, how do you how do you find out who did it and who you know to pursue those? That's another thing. But um, yeah, it's um, 
I would like to wish that I was a little more optimistic um, in, in JP's perfect world. Um, I think both of us would have more hair and I just don't think it's something that's going to happen. Um, I think we need to kind of prepare that this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better, unfortunately. And I don't know when it's going to get better, if it's going to be a year or two or five years down the road. But and, you know, that's that's my perspective is at some point, we have to have an ability to create content that we know, like these are the, these have been the biggest changer in the world, even for social justice. I mean, when you have account, when you have a conflict with someone of an authority and you have one of these recording it, it's what makes your word more powerful than theirs. You would have lost otherwise, Well, we need to be able to press that content. And so that means the, the phone manufacturers need to have that stuff built directly in so that, Everything is protected, and if you change the 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 hue or the or the brightness, then that's fine. You can do that, but at least have it documented to say this isn't quite the same. Yeah. So we we have to be able to do this. Um, it's to me, it's what I saw, you know, six years ago. Is that you have to get to the point where you have to protect it at the moment it's created, and if you don't, then it's it's going to be too impossible to know that it's been modified. Yeah. Well, this has been frightening and fascinating. Um, you know, before we uh, close this conversation, I want to make sure we we get a few tidbits of information here, what we call just one thing. So um, first I wanted to ask is, you know, what is the best way to verify whether something is true or false? Jason? Well, that's going to take, it's due diligence. It's just doing the research to find if um, it's appearing in multiple places from a variety of sources, it's been validated. Um, it's very difficult to be able to track it down to the person who actually recorded it. So there is going to be a level of trust that you're going to have to do, but it's going to be education. If something doesn't seem right, you know, if it doesn't pass the, the, the blush test or the red face test, then you might want to kind of put that in the, I'm not sure that's real bucket. Okay. JP. First, ask yourself why you want to believe what you're seeing and then pump the brakes and wait to, you know, do that due diligence and verify uh, the, the the speed of delivery doesn't necessarily, you know, equate, you know, speed of factual content and information. Got it. And what about one tip for people to protect themselves from the dangers related to deep fakes? JP? Trust, but verify. Oh, you just stole my quote, JP. <laughs> went, okay. How could you do that? There's like one, there's like one quote there. One quote. Yeah. All right, Jason, go ahead. Question, aren't you, Jim? <laughs> Try another one. <laughs> um, I, I think you're going to have to learn to, uh, to to develop a better spidey sense to understand when something isn't quite right. Um, with regards to your family, I think creating an, an offline analog safe word, you know, so that when someone calls up and say, hey, what's the safe word? You're gonna need something that is not in the digital realm that only a human to human will be able to understand. Got it. All right, this has been, again, uh, fascinating and scary. Uh, we usually end with a quote or a poem. JP, go ahead. Um, and I'll modify it. It will give clarity for uh, this particular topic. Know your enemy, misinformation. Know yourself, 
your personal bias, and your victory is guaranteed. Sun Tzu. Wow. All right. That's creative. I love that. Jason, go ahead. Um, mine was actually from a very good, it was just, just a little bit of information that my uh, life coach and I were having a conversation. You know, when I was younger, I could solve any problem. I could put an enormous amount of time and energy into it. And what I've enjoyed about getting older is I know which problems to solve now. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Got it. Short and sweet. I like that. All right. This has been great, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review, and subscribe. See you soon.